memories of South Africa. There's some song here, and now we're trying to remember it, that, that um, has that same ending note to it. Uh, bless his holy name. Um, it's probably in their language, but uh, parts of it. But anyway, maybe next week we will uh, try to dig up a recording of that. You can have us sing that again. If you remind me, and if we can dig up, I'm sure it's on our cell phone somewhere. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's a very common song. Um, we're in Psalm 8 right now, and uh, the task ahead of us tonight is praising the name of God. The challenge is mental and spiritual weakness. Uh, you know, we, we have the, uh, sometimes the spiritual depth of a teaspoon, and the reality is God created us for this, and he ordained that out of the mouth of babes, so to say, out of the mouth of babes, praise would come forth. So if you read with me in Psalm 8, it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babes and infants. You have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands and you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen. And also all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would give us the ability to praise you out of the context of our lives. I pray, God, that we would recognize both the smallness of our lives, uh, the smallness of our individual selves, and yet the greatness in that we bear your image and have been tasked by you to exercise dominion in this earth. Lord, I pray you just give us a balanced view of ourselves and give us a glorious view of you. Help us to praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Does this come up a little bit more? If you could uh, give me a little more power, just 10%. All right. Um, as we begin here, the first thing that we see in verse number 1 and 2 is God's glory is great. But he ordained that praise would come out of the mouths of babies and infants. And that this would come, uh, that this strength would come to um, still his enemies, to quiet his enemies. Verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Um, there's two synonyms that make the psalm clear. Uh, those would be majesty and glory. Majesty speaks to the, uh, the, the might or the magnificent of, magnificence of God's name. Glory speaks to that inner quality of weightiness, gravitas. Glory is weight. And it's interesting here that God's name is being pra praised here. Uh, you see the first Lord is in all caps, the second Lord is in small case. And that is a little key in the Old Testament. Uh, the first word Lord is the name of God, uh, Yahweh. And the second word Lord is Adonai, which means Lord. It could refer to an earthly Lord, like the lords and ladies, um, or master. And so um, the, the, the uh, Jews would be very uh, careful not to use the word Yahweh in, in much, of their, um, uh, much of their lives out of respect for the name. But here we are praising his name, Yahweh, O Lord, our Lord. Uh, his name is being praised. Now, God had revealed his name to Moses, and you might remember he said, I am that I am, tell them I am has sent you. His name ties into the concept of being the self-existent one. 
it, 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 it ties into his continuing to exist. It also ties into his transcendence. When he says, I am what I am, tell them I am has sent you. I am what I am means that God is unchangeable. He is not affected. He's, uh, he's, he's transcendent above all. Uh, he is. And so that means he's beyond change. He's beyond manipulation. Human beings are not going to manipulate God. So I am refers, tells us something about God. It's precious to have his name because it gives you insight into him. Now I want you to just exer- do a little mental exercise right now. Evaluate your character. Think of your three strongest character qualities. Your three strongest character qualities. What would those be? Okay, you have them in your mind. One to three, your best qualities. Now, give us a name that describes that. Just, just think of a name that describes who you are, a name that would be insightful as to who you are. This also works if you're a scoundrel and thinking of your three worst qualities, right? Jacob the deceiver, right? Jacob the deceiver, right? The, and, and so... Um, so what would it be like if, if we had a name that, uh, that fit you well? Would we be saying, hey, truth, come over here. Or we'd say, liar, come over here. Would we say, strong tower, it's time for dinner. Or would we say, hey, drama queen, it's time for dinner. Okay, now I want you to think of a nickname for the person next to you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, the name Squeaky is already taken, if anybody wants to know, all right? <laughs> That's a nickname that I actually I got started, I think, in a youth activity or some activity with youth where it started out Angry Little Man. Um, and that was my nickname for a little while, and then it became Angry Little Squeak, and then just Squeaky. It seemed to get better as we went along, so I was like, all right. We'll take, we'll, we'll rest on squeaky, um, which, hey, you know what? It describes me. And when I preach, I've got a squeaky voice. And uh, when I get mad, I'm like, Meep! and I really do that. I make that sound when, when life, that, that's like my uh, equivalent to swearing is <laughs> when I let out a squeak. Um, and uh, anyway, so um, squeaky, uh, that's taken. But uh, God's name is Yahweh, I am. I am that I am. And that means he's transcendent, he's self-existent, he is unchanging. And his name is to be praised. Because his name reveals who he is. When you praise his name, you are praising him. His glory is above the heavens. In verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. His weightiness is just beyond anything you can comprehend in, in, in all of the heavens. In uh, verse number two, we see that out of the mouth of babies and infants, uh, he has ordained something. Look at verse two. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. Um, as, we, as you think of uh, babies and infants, as I, the idea of little suckling children is coming out here in, in, in these words. Uh, uh, children who gain nourishment through their mouths, and usually have very little to offer with their mouths uh, at, at that age when they are sucklings. 
Um, you know, depending on the age at which uh, children are weaned, uh, you know, in, in many cultures they get to that age of talking. And uh, every once in a while, a little child will come out with something kind of amazing, uh, kind of insightful. And, and, you know, if you haven't raised lots of children, you might think, wow, you know, maybe our child's pretty bright. And then you realize, no, all children have their day. They all have a good comment here and there, but our children are average, right? And uh, I think this is a metaphor for you and me. Uh, we have our days. We have our moments where it's amazing. And it's a delight to see a believer praising the name of God in a certain context where it just fits, and it fits in a way that's profound. And more importantly, in a way that the watching demonic world can see and they are silenced. Uh, A Christian is facing a wicked world and responds in a way that praises the name of God in the midst of the darkness, either through conduct or through words. And the enemy is silenced by this. God has done this to still his enemies, to silence their criticisms. Um... There's, there's two ways that people take the babbling of babies to silence the enemies. One way, and I think that it's a terrible interpretation, is they see the babbling of babies just being so bad that, it's, that it overpowers the voice of the enemies. I, th- I think that's a ridiculous interpretation. Maybe I'm just missing something here. I think the ESV's interpretation is correct here. Um, it's the idea that weak creatures like us are used to still, to silence, to end God's enemies. And so every week, we, are, uh, uh, we, we study the scriptures to come together in the assembly to pray. Um, then we go out into the world and we face them. And as we go into the world, there are those times where God just has a hold of our hearts and he has our minds in the right space. And we glorify him in unique ways. And it's just a delight. And, and if I can say this, it's uncanny. It's uncommon, even to us. It's just once in a while. It, everything comes together, and it's beautiful. And, um, you know, the other way is what we talked about this morning, and that's when Christians dwell in unity, the kind of unity that we studied where you put off self-centeredness, self-concern, and you put on loving service toward others. And, and, and that shuts the mouth of our accuser. Because you have, in any church, you have people who just great on each other. I mean, people who would not be friends outside of Jesus Christ. And, and, and uh, you know, they're just different personalities. Or there's different socioeconomic groups with different worldviews where you just don't even see the world the same. Your experiences are not the same. And yet you're coming together for the same work and to make decisions together and to work together. And, and uh, when we say loving things at difficult times, it is as if the mouth of a suckling child came up with just an amazingly insightful statement all of a sudden. And, uh, and it's incredible, it's beautiful, and it silences the enemy. If you have any doubt that we are small in this psalm, that we are the suckling children, I think verses 3 and 4 continue that metaphor, using creation. Uh, look at verse 4, when I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. I don't think son of man there is a prophetic figure for Jesus Christ like it is in the book of Daniel. I think it's referring to just man and man's offsprings. Do you notice that creation 
that, that, that the heavens, when I look at the heavens, the psalmist says they're the work of your fingers. Now, if I'm trying to get a jar open, okay, and it's a hard jar, you know, the lid's stuck, okay, I've got my whole hand in it, I've got my body into it, I'm trying to twist, and then I hand it to Josiah, and he takes his fingers, and right, okay, that is God with making the universe. It's the work of his fingers. Do you, do you work up a sweat when you just use your fingers? Not usually. Maybe some of you pianists do when you really go at it, but you're really using your arms and your bodies at that point. Yeah, when you, it just, it's, it's, it's light work for God, and yet it is a tremendous, tremendous work. This is a picture from Mars. And uh, in the picture, uh, there's a speck and that speck is the planet Earth. Now, Mars is, as I understand it, well within our solar system. It's, it's not the furthest point in our solar system. And so we look pretty small there. Um, and, and Earth seems to be in broader space, a very small concern. Um, as I understand it, um, we are not, when we're at, at Mars, we're not even near the edge of our galaxy. Okay, there's the solar system, and the solar system is one of over 3,000 solar systems in our galaxy. Um, 3,916 solar systems, that would be stars with planets rotating around them. Okay, so we, as we look at Earth here, this is a view from fairly close within the universe because there are 3,900 other galaxies and we're nowhere near the edge of our galaxy here looking at this. Um, uh, how many galaxies are there in the universe? Two trillion, they estimate. I'm sure nobody can know that, but two trillion galaxies. So if we were to really scale this down to the edge of the galaxy looking at the planet of the Earth, even our galaxy would not be worthy of a single pixel on this entire screen, much less our solar system, much less our planet. Yet it is the one place in all the universe where God's image lives in man. And just imagine, somewhere on this planet, you and another person are involved in a conflict so huge that all of life is not good. Uh, it could be a divorce. It could be an argument. It could be a problem at work. It could be something that really isn't as big as, as, as I'm making it, uh, cognitive uh, catastrophizing. I'm just making it bigger than it is. But my life is not good so long as I and this person have this problem. And where are we? We're, we're right here. But just so you can see yourself and you can see that other person, I enlarged the earth for you. Can you see you're kind of up and to the right of center, right among those 7 billion people that are on that dot? Uh, do you see how small you are? Do you see how small I am? Do you see how small our problem is in relationship? My life could be okay without this conflict. The universe could be okay without this conflict. But as long as I have this conflict, it's not okay. It's huge. The point of verse 3 and 4 is to position mankind as small as he is in relationship to creation. I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the stars, the moon and the stars that you've set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? There is so much. It's so huge. What is man? Even if there are in this little dot, even if there are 7.88 billion people, 
What is man that you're mindful of this little dot that is grossly enlarged in this photo compared to the full universe? Grossly enlarged, almost infinitely enlarged. What is man that you are mindful of? All of this psalm, to this point, I believe, is designed to humble us. We are to stand in awe at the massiveness of everything uh, around you that is not you. And to consider the relative permanence of the universe. All these galaxies that compared to you and me, they're relatively permanent. And our lives are relatively short. So, though small and individually temporary on this earth, mankind has been entrusted with care and infused with purpose. Look at verse 5. Actually, just rereading verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. The word is Elohim. It's a plural form of the word gods. It could mean false gods. It could mean the demons behind the false gods. It could refer to angels. It could refer to God himself. And his name Elohim is often stated in the plural. Not because there's a trinity, I don't think. I think it's more for the weightiness. The plural was a way to describe glory. But um, you've made him a little lower than the Elohim. And crowned him with glory and honor. So we're talking about the glory of God's name, or the majestic and the glory of God's name. We have been crowned with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep, oxen, all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. And even to this day, I don't think we know everything that passes along the paths of the sea. It's quite the mystery. So... Notice back in verse 4, God is mindful of you. Verse 4, what is man that you are mindful of him? Uh, God is, my, he is aware of you. He is not just aware of the, that there's 7.8 billion people here. He is aware of you individually. He knows you. And then notice also in verse 4, he cares. And the son of man that you care for him. Uh, God, God is mindful of you. God cares for you. Now, in pagan religions, this is totally turned upside down. In pagan religions, you had gods, you had lesser gods that were tasked with caring for the earth. Those lesser gods, you know, in, in many stories, they, 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 they were upset. They didn't like all the work, so they made man to, to care for the earth and to do all the work. And, and so in, in, in pagan religions, the view of man is that man existed for the convenience of the gods. In the scriptures, man exists out of God's grace so that God can share himself with another creature. And when God created the earth, man was his focus. Turn back to Genesis 1. As you, as you look at the, uh, the creation of all things in Genesis 1, there, there is a trajectory here to creation that culminates in the creation of man. Uh, we are far from an afterthought. We are far from just a, something created to help God along or to please him or to... to to, to do his dirty work, so to say, that he doesn't have time to do. In Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. The darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waves. God said, let there be light. And that wording is very interesting. Let there be. And this one is light. God saw the light, that it was good. Separated the light from the darkness. Look at verse 6. God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it, be let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse. In verse number 
11, God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, which is their seed. In verse number 12, and God saw that it was good. Verse 14, God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate day from night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let let them be lights in the expanse of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the uh, smaller lights, uh, uh, the the, the two uh, great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. Verse 18, God saw that it was good. Verse 20, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth. And verse number 21, God saw that it was good. Verse 24, God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. Now what's interesting is God is a God of order. He's a God of planning. He states what he's going to do and then does it throughout this. Let there be, let there be, let there be. And then we get to verse 26. And the language just changes. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then we have this poetic flourish. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And he continues, he said, To every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So as you read that narrative of the creation of mankind, uh, mankind is far from an afterthought. And um, uh, mankind is really a, uh, a focus So result number one in verse number five of our psalm, if you go back to Psalm chapter eight and verse number five, result number one is man has glory and honor. It says you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Now even here again we know God made man, but he made man a little lower than the heavenly beings or Elohim. One commentary said this, man has one foot planted firmly in the created order and another foot planted in the divine image. We are very much unlike the rest of the created order in that we bear the image of God. Result number two, man has responsibility. We have dominion. In verse number six, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, birds of the heaven, fish of the sea, and whatever passes along under the sea. So there is for man dominion. We note it's a derived dominion. We do not, uh, man is not the highest, uh, this is not saying that man is the highest being to exist on earth and therefore we climb to the top of the food chain. That's not what this is saying. This is a derived dominion. This is not something we earn By overpowering the earth, it is something that is granted to mankind by God's decree. 
Therefore, it is a stewardship. And if you know me, you know that I'm not what you would call uh, a tree hugger, where every environmental political issue is what I would embrace. But I do believe that an earth ruled by Christians, by God's children, exercised dominion in his name, should look much more beautiful and orderly than an earth ruled by pagans with pagan desires who have no accountability to the God of heaven. So we come through this psalm and we see our place in the world. We might compare ourselves to suckling babes who every once in a while get it right. And that's by God's decree and, and, and we silence the enemy. And we, every once in a while we have a very big role to play. Otherwise we just go through life obeying our Heavenly Father. Uh, we are in the midst of a very large universe. We are very small. God made us in his image. He gave us glory and honor, and he gave us dominion. He gave us a task to do. And that brings us back to verse number 9. We begin where we, end, where we end where we began. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So the psalm begins where it ends. It ends where it begins. But we declare the glory of God understanding these following things. Uh, God is above the heavens, having made them with his fingers. The heavens are a comparative metaphor, teaching us how small we are, giving us perspective. God made man a little lower than God or the angels or the heavenly beings, given man glory and honor and dominion. By implication, we have derived authority and are to be as loving and caring in our dominion as God is in his love and care for us. So as we share God, or as we share glory and honor from God, mindful of the stewardship of grace, we extend praise to God for the glory of his name. Let's read this through one more time here before I close and Ben comes. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? and the Son of Man, that you care for him. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over all the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would help us to honor you as your children. We thank you for creating us. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for being mindful of us and caring. Uh, Father, I pray that you'd help us to appreciate how small we are in the universe. And Lord, I pray that our lifetime would not be about us primarily, that we would not make the issues of life to be issues about us individually. God, I pray that you'd help us to make our lives about you. And I pray that you would give us those very precious moments where we Say and do things that are beyond us. Say or do things that just are the result of your spirit and your word working in and through us. Have your glory in us. God, your name is truly glorious. It is majestic and wonderful. And Father, that is because you are the self-existing one. You are God. And you are wonderful. Thank you for your love in Jesus' name. Amen. Ben?